All right. Well, hello, everybody, once again. In case you don't recognize me, <laughs> I typically have a microphone like right here, guitar strapped on. I'm John. I typically lead worship, as has been said already, but it's exciting to get to be here and do something like this, something a little different, uh, co-preach with Sandy. So, yeah. Little known fact, John used to be a teacher up the road at the university. That's true. So before you were doing this, right? Yeah. Yes. He was a teacher first, so I love when John does the little snippets of teaching on a Sunday morning, so now we get to hear really what's happening Oh boy! inside of you. Yeah, so <laughs> strap in, everybody. My name is Sandy Asker. I'm married to Brian, who was strapping on the guitar today. Uh, we have known John, actually, and a few other people here in Mankato for years because of our connection with InterVarsity, and one of the things I love about InterVarsity is the commitment to the Bible, and so John and I have been able to study this passage for about a month together on a weekly basis, mm -hmm. and we've just really, we've really enjoyed it. We're in a series called Influential, and as we think about how both women and men are creating the image of God really to partner on this planet to bring the kingdom, uh, we decided, sometimes on Mother's Day, we pick a famous woman in the Bible and preach on her, and we thought, gosh, why don't we just do that the whole month of May? So we're looking at particularly influential women of the scriptures, and today, if any of you are about to have a baby girl, I have to say, we're going to have some humdinger, humdingers of names for you. So, John, first, before we get into reading the passage, give us a little context about what's happening. Yeah, so the first part of this chapter that we're jumping into, uh, we're reminded of Israel's origins in Egypt, that uh, Jacob and the 70 family members that he had traveled to Egypt because of this huge famine that was going on, uh, and his son Joseph was already there kind of ahead of him and was sort of preparing the way, had a really great position of leadership actually that gave them access. Uh, and so they stayed there, turned into this huge nation among the people of Egypt, and what happens, though, is that a king comes into power that doesn't really like all these people. He's not familiar with Joseph and the things that he did for Egypt. He doesn't like these people. So he says, like, let's do some things to try to control the population here. It says that the people of Egypt came to dread or fear Israel, which is really interesting. And so their response was to force them into harsh labor. But Israel keeps growing. <laughs> as, as this harsh treatment increases, so does the growth of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so the king has another idea for how to control the population, and that's, what, that's where we start this morning. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 1, starting at verse 14, and we'll go through the end of the chapter, verse 22. So they, meaning the Egyptians, what John just said, the Egyptians made their lives, the Israelites, bitter, with harsh labor in brick and mortar, and with all kinds of work in the fields. And it, in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared the Lord and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do, and they let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. 
And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. It's a hard story. Uh, sometimes I think we think that the Bible is this, like, nursery rhymes, you know, Sunday school stories, and then we read a story like this, right? The world for Israel that they were living in, it was not a happy situation, as you said. It was really, it was really tough. So, as we think about our world, we can sometimes see injustices around us, and we can ignore them sometimes because it's easier. There might have been people who saw this story happening and just didn't want to see. Uh, in our world, sometimes when we read the news, it gets overwhelming sometimes, doesn't it? And you were talking about when you see injustice, kind of how you feel. Yeah, I, I think especially with what the last 18 months has looked, I mean, injustice has been going on since, you know, for almost forever. Right, yes. Uh, the last 18 months, I think with everything else going on, has felt just particularly mm -hmm. densely packed with right. unjust moments that are happening. And I, I have to say, for me, what really is a very easy response is to just sort of bury my head in the sand. Right. And just like, I don't want to hear about it, I, yeah. I'm t or I'm tired of hearing about, right. hearing about it, whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's just easier to ignore it altogether, right. the sundry of stories that we hear at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've also heard stories of people who are literally overcome to the point where they're kind of paralyzed. Mm. Um, and everybody in between. Some people are really motivated to do things. Pua and Shifra, some of these women, right? Yes. And so as we think about these women, um, and they have this dark time in their history, as you talk about, uh, this has been really fun actually studying this passage. John saw things that I was like, I've never seen that before in this. <laughs> this is so cool. When we think about particularly these two women alive in this dark time, what makes these two women, I mean, other than their names, Pua and Shifra, so so cool. What yeah. stood out to us about them? There were a few different things, but I have to say that most notably, one of the things that we talked about very frequently was the fear of God. Right. You see this phrase that comes up here, the fear of the Lord. And this is a really common phrase in scripture, but I would say it's not a common phrase for us today. It's not something that we talk, out, talk about very, very much. So let's just, let's just pause there for a moment on the fear of the Lord. Uh, Shifra and Pua are not here to confirm this for us, right. but, but I think <laughs> They weren't that, available. Yeah, right. They, they just couldn't make it today. Uh, but I think that what this is saying is they're probably not afraid of God, that they respond in this particular way because they are afraid of God, as that phrase might indicate. I think that they have a healthy respect. I think mm -hmm. that that's what this is talking about. Mm -hmm. And as we were reading, it made me think of uh, a, a younger me in conversation with my dad. And I remember there was a time that I was going to go and hang out with my friends, and my dad said, I just want you to remember when you and your friends are deciding what you're going to do out there this evening, remember whose name you carry with you. And that was a, like a sort of a mind-blowing moment mm -hmm. for me of like, I'm not scared of my dad, but I do very much respect the fact that I am a steel and that that, that means something. Mm -hmm. And so that altered the way that I wanted to live and right. act in community. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't think that they're afraid, but they have, a, they have a healthy mindset of respect for God. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, uh, they also don't, they don't just have this thought of like, oh, Jesus is my homeboy. God is my homeboy sort of, uh, sort of response. Uh, they have this healthy respect. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they make this decision together as a result of this fear of the Lord to disobey the king. Uh, they're saying their allegiance rests with God, not with the king. 
and not only them, but also the mid the rest of the midwives, right. which we'll talk more about in in just a moment here. So yeah. that, that's one thing that's really cool mm-hmm. about them. Uh, another thing is that this is the first time that this phrase shows yes. up in Scripture: the fear of the Lord. I think that that's pretty cool that this story right here is the first time the fear of the Lord shows up. So if you want the OG example of what it looks like to fear the Lord and to respect him and to respond appropriately, Shifra and Pua are your examples for how to fear the Lord well. When we realized that, I was like, that's going to preach. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a cool fact. And so one other thing that I just thought was really interesting, I told Sandy I was mowing the lawn yesterday and this (laughs) thought just popped into my head, which is how I know that we've been studying this for a month. (laughs) Mowing, thinking of Shifra and Pua and their, <laughs> what they did in this story, uh, is that they have been in captivity. Yes. Israel's been in captivity for 400 years at this point, and their response is to fear God. Like how, how easy would it have been for, for them to say, this is the last straw. Like now we know for sure that God mm-hmm. has abandoned us and this is mm-hmm. the end for us. So whatever. Yeah. But no, their response is, no, even after 400 years in captivity, we know that this is the right thing to do and we're going to do it. Yeah. It's really unbelievable. The other thing that strikes me is when you think about Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt, which is a big deal. This isn't some small little island country, right? Like this is a big deal, king of Egypt. He gives them an order and they disobey. That alone is like mind-blowing. But then when you see what they've been told to do is obviously wrong. I mean, it's clearly, and I think most people would look at this and just be shocked that he called for that. For them though, to still disobey the king is a big deal. And they didn't just have each other. We see this in the Bible a lot. Sometimes when somebody does something amazing, there's always at least one other person kind of with them. But it says uh, in some of the commentaries we read that they were probably the leaders of the Hebrew midwives. Two midwives for all of these people likely weren't enough. So they probably represented all of the midwife union, perhaps. And so they were all in agreement that this is not going to happen because Pharaoh's heard the babies are surviving. Not only did they have the other midwives on board, they had the families on board. So when a woman gave birth, the woman knew what the king was ordering. The dads knew, the aunts and uncles knew, the cousins knew. And so really, this was a communal response led by these two women. And we all know that when we're alone, it's easy to make some decisions and hope that nobody sees. But when we're in a community and we're able to make a decision, it's that accountability. And it's also, it, it uh, strengthens us to do, I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah. This is a really big deal what they did. Yes, fear of the Lord is part of, not part of, it's central to why they pushed back. And you had this interesting observation about uh, they didn't just have kind of the civil disobedience to prove a point or to dethrone the king. They could have, they could have done a lot of other things. So talk a little bit about what you saw in terms of the pushback, the kind of pushback. Yeah, yeah, that this, this didn't seem like, at least the way it reads, that this didn't seem like, oh, here's Pharaoh, this king, let's stick it to the man. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to do what he says because he's Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And that that wasn't their response. Their response was, no, this is, this is the right thing to mm-hmm. do, and we need to protect life. Mm-hmm. That that's what we want to do here, not, not disobey Pharaoh. We want to protect life. Right. Yeah. And that that, was, that that was what the fear of the Lord drove them to. And so we will talk about that a little bit more. But their decision was not just to protect their own, uh, which was part of it, but it was also, it manifested itself in fruitfulness and they continued to grow. That's yeah. just a theme as you read through Exodus. So as we think about these women, 
Pua and Shifra. We chose them because they're influential. When we started talking about this series as a preaching team, I was like, if we're doing a women's series, I know exactly who I want to preach on because I had a chance to, to speak about these women a few years ago at an university conference. Uh, when we think about the injustices that we do see, that maybe we're tempted to walk past or that we're passionate about, Global 6K, for instance, when I hear about this, I just think like, yeah, I want to do this because other people are doing it. When we think about how to fight the injustices that we see, how these women do it, I think, can really help us in how we do that. Are we standing against something or are we standing for something? And when we are doing either of those things, what's the fruit of it? Is it producing life? When I'm standing against something firmly and fight for that, argue for it, post on social media, wear the t-shirt, whatever it might be, give our money towards, is it producing life? Is it, is it fruitful? I thought that that was particularly convicting when we think about how we interact with, uh, with injustice. So when we think about us as a community, I mentioned the Global 6K, when we think about us as a community, we are like the midwives. We have a chance to be the midwives. We have a chance to be the Israelites. Not that we're under oppression in the same way that they were, but we are faced with injustices at every turn, it seems like. And it is becoming more popular to talk about it, but I also think it's a way that we're experiencing God in a, in a fuller way, understanding that God is a just God. So as we think about uh, inviting people today to a midwife moment, that was a John Steele idea. We're inviting you to a midwife moment. Uh, how, how can we have discernment as we do that? How can we invite people into that? Yeah, so just a, a couple of thoughts on this idea. Uh, first of all, I think that very broadly, we're influenced to have a multifaceted fear of the Lord. Yeah. That their fear was personal. It showed an intimate understanding of and respect for God, but it also had a communal impact mm -hmm. that led to protecting these children. And I think that our, our faith, our response to God, our fear of the Lord is also intimately personal and it is necessarily communal. I love that. Say that again in case that, somebody's writing it down. Yeah, our, our faith, our response to God, our fear of the Lord is both intimately personal and it is necessarily communal. That if, we, we can, if we're helping people around us because we want to do good, but it's not motivated by the fear of the Lord, uh, that's, it's just activism. Mm -hmm. And activism can be helpful. There can be good things that come mm -hmm. out of activism, but it's not a complete faith. Activism is not a complete faith in and of itself. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the same way, if we are fearing the Lord mm -hmm. or only mentally assenting to what is good and right and just without it having an impact on the people around us, that is also an incomplete faith. Mm -hmm. And I will raise my hand right here and say that is most often the, the circle that I fall into that it's really easy to mentally assent. So, mm -hmm. so very broadly, Shifra and Pua influence us to fear God in a way that is both personal and communal in its that. application. More specifically, there are some of these things that we are already doing as a church, and maybe it's helpful for us to, to identify those so we can say, oh, this is a way for me to practically live into something that's already set up right. for me. Uh, so we... Jesus says to use our resources, mm -hmm. our, the resources right. he gave us, right. uh, to take care of others. We believe that that's right, and so we obey. That is fear of the Lord right there. So we make and we serve food for the Connections Shelter. Mm -hmm. uh, that is one 
impact of our fear of the Lord. We run, walk, ride, move our bodies for clean water for people around the world, specifically in the Democratic Republic of Congo, by participating in the Global 6K. Uh, We give our tithes and our offerings to church because we believe that they are used to feed the spiritually hungry Mm -hmm. and and the physically hungry as well. But that's a part of promoting what we do. All of those are a response of fear. Mm-hmm. And being a worship leader, I have to interject this as well, <laughs> that even, even singing songs in other languages, when we worship God in other languages, we believe that our God is a God of the nations, uh, that he has told us to be like him. And so as a result, we are making hospitable places for people other than just us. Right. And that that's part of the fear of the Lord and why we sing songs and why we worship God mm-hmm. in other languages Absolutely. in this space. Um, so those are, those are a few of the ways that I right. think that we're already in pursuit of this idea. Obviously, yes. we can keep growing as well. Right, absolutely. We haven't nailed it on all the things. Right. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. When Jesus comes back, we will see him bring together all of the things. So when we see the injustices around us, we see some ways that we're interacting with it. Like we said, we haven't come to the end of all of it. Have not, uh, we've not cornered the market, as we might say. When we think about the decisions that we're making about what causes us to move our feet or what causes us to act, I was listening to a speaker yesterday talking about the fear of the Lord. And sometimes we can put God in a box and we separate aspects of his character out. And I was thinking about this in terms of an injustice. There are some injustices that really matter to me. And then I see other ones and they don't matter as much. And I think, why is that? If I really fear the Lord, my heart can break for all the things that his heart breaks for. And on some level, we'd be on our face all of the time if we're always interacting with that. But I thought about that in terms of when the Asian American hate crimes were starting this spring to become more obvious. I had been following them in the midst of the virus and how people's words were impacting how particularly Asian Americans were being um, harassed. And I suddenly got really mad. Because I said to people, what's happening right now is we're not just talking about people out there, we're talking about my son. We have an adopted child from China, and I got really upset. And then I got convicted, because I thought, why do I care more now, because it's personal, than I did before if it's another people group that I'm not as connected with? And so when we think about the fear of the Lord, what we're really doing is inviting people to see Jesus as king complete king over all of our lives. And the fear of the Lord is understanding that he is the authority, not us. Uh, Today, I don't know if you can see online, but we are decorated for a wedding. We haven't mentioned this yet, John. I can't believe that I didn't say it right away. So uh, we kind of laughed coming in today, like, hey, if anybody's ready to get hitched and you're in the room and you're with your significant other, and, or if you want to renew your vows, we're decorated for a wedding. There's, I also sort of joked that we could have people get married to Jesus, and somebody else said this today. When we're inviting people into a relationship with Jesus, uh, it is like when you unite someone in marriage and you look to that, to that other person, not as an authority figure like you're in charge of my life, but that what you care about, I care about, and you're joining together. And when we think about joining with Jesus as the bride of Christ that the church is, he is our authority because he's king, not because we're married to him, but because he's king. And so as we look at Pua and Shifra, as we look at these two women who had every reason to say, we're just going to give in to this. We're not going to do anything about it. They have a king breathing down their necks. 
clearly having conversations with them. It is fascinating that the king didn't just behead them. Yeah. Right off. Somehow God protected them. Not only just protected their lives, but then gave them families of their own. Afterwards, they kept uh, being fruitful. As we think about Pua and Shifra, um, how their fear of the Lord impacted their decisions, uh, and we're calling people to a midwife moment. Uh, John has a call for us as a church, really. We get to be we get to be a Pua and a Shifra. We get to be a community like this. Yeah, yeah. So there's two, sorry, Sandy, I'm tacking on one more thing oh, that we please, didn't talk about. Oh, please, please, John. I Here said this go. is going to be like you all listening to us <laughs> yeah. having a conversation. This is how, so all, it's totally of our, fine. This is how all of our prep conversations Oh my gosh, went, it was so fun. Uh, of, it was of, so uh, fun. Each of us bringing in new, but as you're talking about like, oh, why don't I care about these yes. until there's somebody in my life that that, right? that just makes me oh, think yes. that's why we should be pursuing community together yes. because there's people in this room that are yes. having life experiences that I haven't or never will. But when they have a hard mm-hmm. time with that place or when they're celebrating right. something, I right. get like, oh, I care about you. I, it, it, ten, it connects me to these ideas so much more deeply, which yes. is why we can't just be siloed in our faith. Right, absolutely. But we need to be with other people. So that, that, was my, that was my one That's extra worth tack adding on, okay, John. Great. That's great. I won't get, reprimanded, won't get reprimanded later. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so so my, my question for us is how can, how can you, how can I individually and how can we communally be Shifra and Pua mm-hmm. in Mankato, in Minnesota, in whatever town or state, knowing that there are people online watching from other places that right. are not Mankato, that many of you live in places surrounding Mankato, in whatever your context is, how can you, how can we be Shifra and Pua mm-hmm. in those contexts? The context that God gave to these two women and to the rest of their colleagues was being midwives. That was their context where they could have influence. So what context has God put you, has he put us as a church and you individually in where he's inviting you to have this midwife moment and promote? And, and could we even say maybe from midwife moment to a midwife movement? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're on fire with that. Love that. Midwife movement. Yes. And to promote mm. thriving, to promote life around you. Absolutely. Where are, where are the places that you see that? That's my invitation. That's our invitation yes. to you this morning. Should we pray? Yeah, let's Let me it. pray. Jesus, as I think about these women, how they protected and uh, literally ensured life to come about with these Hebrew baby boys and girls, Lord, that's what we want here at Crossview. Lord, we want to be an influence in our community that promotes life. Lord, not hatred, not division, not death, not shame, not anxiety, all the other things, Lord, that destroy people and their lives. God, we want to promote life. I'm so proud to say that Pua and Shifra are in uh, the matriarchy of faith that we are a part of. God, that there are people that point us to having a fear of the Lord so much so that they say no to the king of Egypt and yes to King Jesus. Lord, if there are people here today who have not yet said to you as king, I pray that as they wish for life, light in the darkness, Lord, as they uh, don't want to just bury their head in their sand, or if they are overwhelmed by the injustices in the world, Jesus, that we would see that you are truly the strength, the hope of the world, and you invite us to partner with you to make a difference in our world. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.